Good evening, everybody. So, yeah, my uh, my name is Michael. Um, I have spoken uh, with you twice before, I think, at Hunter Street, um, which was a, a while ago. Um, well, it feels a little bit different to be to be speaking now, uh, not as a, a visiting speaker, but as as one of your own. Um, so. I have a, a wife uh, called Naomi and a baby called Daniel, which you might have seen. Uh, Naomi's originally from northwest Germany. Uh, we met at Cape and Ray Hall. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I want, wanted just to um, start with a big um, and heartfelt thank you to, uh, to the church here um, for your prayers and for your care and support uh, over the last few months um, when Daniel was born and then when I was poorly. Uh, Daniel was born on Christmas Day, so he's just just over seven months old now. And it was a, it was a difficult birth for, for him and Naomi and uh, many, many people were praying for us and we're very thankful, we were very aware of that. Um, and we're very thankful for that. I think that there've been, we've heard two, well, three or four testimonies from people who were keeping the night watch, praying for us through the night, and uh, we were aware of that. We called him Daniel uh, because we want him to live before the Lord and to live differently to the culture around him. And then, uh, just to carry on with a little bit of testimony. Um, we had two weeks at home together, I was off work, and we were trying to figure out the whole parenting business, um, fondly thinking back to the last full night's sleep that we had. And, and then uh, on the Saturday night, two weeks after he was born, uh, I, I started with, with a tummy ache, and I immediately suspected the food that we'd eaten that night. We'd had visitors round during the day and it had got a little bit late and um, so I looked in the fridge and I, I knew there was the food that was in there had been there for a while um, but the other alternative was for me to cook so I, we, uh, we took a chance and, uh, and I, I started with tummy aches so I thought um, I regretted it I thought that must have been it well then the next day um, I was in bed all day I was feeling even worse um, and then the next day probably worse again but, but in the afternoon of, of that day I was sick and I thought um, I started to feel a little bit better after that and so I thought oh well what, whatever was causing it must be gone now so um, well then the next day I was expecting to feel better and I felt worse again so I went to a doctor and, and we sort of concluded that it was just a stomach bug and I, I got some painkillers, some codeine uh, from the doctor. Uh, but it still, it never got better. And um, after another week of being at home, um, I went to the doctor again and he sent me to A&E. Ian drove me to A&E, so I'm very grateful for that. And... Um, and amazingly, the first one of the first nurses that I saw there was a was a friend of mine called Lisa Huddleston, and that was really God's kindness 
uh, to me. Uh, it was good to see a familiar and, and friendly face. And she got me painkillers and she also prayed with me. And uh, I had some tests that night, um, some blood tests and all kinds of tests, and a, a CT scan. And um, eventually the, the consultant suspected that my appendix had burst some days prior and, and an abscess had formed uh, in my stomach. And that was sort of explaining the, the, sort of the tummy aches. And so I had an operation and removed the appendix and, and drained the abscess and sort of washed it all out. And after a week I was able to come home and, uh, and then I was off, off work for four months whilst I recovered. In, in truth I started to feel better quite quickly but just because my job is a manual job it wasn't safe for me to go back to work. So my recovery was really a blessed time. Um, I'm really grateful for that time. It was a bit like an extended paternity leave uh, time with uh, Daniel and Amy that um, I'm very grateful for. Most dads don't don't get that amount of time off. Um, and so I wanted to say a big thank you to everybody for for praying for me and for us and for your practical care too. Um, I don't think I've ever been so grateful to be part of the church. We've really been uh, carried um, through by the Lord and by his people. And um, Pastor Ian said that he'd, he'd, he'd cast the net far and wide for that people might pray for us. And it, it seems like the net went all the way around the world. People have been uh, praying for us and people gave us money um, Um, I'm, I'm self-employed, um, and so no work means uh, no income. And and yet, in the time I was off work, we were financially better off than if I'd been earning a wage, which uh, I can't believe. It makes me feel very small, in a good way. Uh, people cooked for us, and, and many people offered to cook for us. I think we had to even turned down food because uh, we had such a good supply and people sent cards our, our house was full of cards and they're, they're just the support we received was so humbling and uh, in truth I've not told you the half of, of, uh, of what God did for us and Derek asked me last week Derek at her kitchen said have you, have you learnt a lot or what have you learnt and I've been thinking about that uh, quite a lot, and I'm not I'm not sure what what I've learnt specifically, but I'm just very very grateful, very grateful to be part of the church, uh, for very grateful for family and for peace and assurance in uncertain times. Uh, grateful for the NHS. Um, Abby and Lucy uh, asked me if I've got a cool scar. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a scar, and. Uh, I hope that as time passes, there'll be a reminder of God's kindness and that, that life is short. And uh, it's, it's often sad how quickly I forget 
and don't live in, in the light of what I know to be true. But I, I hope that that's going to be a reminder. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, if you... <laughs> Um, if you've got a Bible, um, we'll just turn uh, to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, and it, in, in some ways it's quite a long Bible reading for a short message. Um, and we're just really going to look at, at one point. Um, so Matthew chapter 16, verses uh, 13 to 27. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Amen. I wonder um, what's the biggest or most significant question that you've ever been asked. Um, coming up for four years ago, my, my brother Ian asked me a pretty big question. I, I put a suit on to answer it. We stood in, in front of a church and, and he asked me, Michael, will you take this woman to be your wife? And my answer was, I will. Interestingly, my brother Ian can say that he's married both of his brothers. So apart from that, we're a pretty normal family. The answer to that question has had a huge impact on my life. Every day it's had a huge impact on the course of my life. And I believe that that Matthew 16 
uh, contains the biggest, most significant question we'll ever answer. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? The answer to this question will have consequences for all eternity. And how we answer the question is evidenced in how we live every day. For us who have, who have been introduced to Jesus, who have heard his words, who have um, seen what he's done, um, we have to face this question, who do you say that I am? And the disciples had spent time with Jesus. Uh, they'd heard him teach. They'd seen him heal the sick. They'd seen him feed uh, 5,000. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen how he, how he treated people with uh, gentleness and dignity. And they knew that the Messiah was coming. And so the question was, who do you say I am? Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It had, it had been revealed to Peter that Jesus was totally unique. He's not just a teacher. He wasn't just a physician. He wasn't just one of the prophets. But he was the Christ. He was the anointed one sent from the Father to uh, save his people from sin. And one moment, Peter gets it so right, and however very soon afterwards he gets it so wrong. And there's such a contrast uh, between these two interactions between Peter and Jesus. So I'll just read it again. So from verse 16... Uh, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And then down to verse 21. Uh, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. And be killed. And be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. Some really strong words from, from Jesus. The call on, on Peter's life was to be a building block as Jesus builds his church. And Peter himself writes in his first epistle that we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house. But here, Jesus says that he's a stumbling block. And although Peter acknowledges who, who Jesus is, he doesn't yet understand how Jesus is going to bring about this salvation. And in this moment, Peter was opposed to the very reason why Jesus came. And I suppose that the question that I want to just uh, ask us is, um, are you a building block or a stumbling block? Am I a building block? Or a stumbling block. It's uh, just such a warning that we can be a stumbling block to Jesus and his work. And I want to just suggest two things that should help us to be building blocks rather than stumbling blocks. And the first one 
is let's be people who set our minds on the things of God, on his interests, on his agenda, rather than our own. In verse uh, 23, this is, this is what Jesus said, that uh, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Peter may well have, have expected an immediate earthly kingdom where Jesus was going to be the king and he would overthrow the Romans and would restore the place of the nation. But, but that wasn't to be the case and that Jesus would, would die to save his people didn't line up with Peter's expectations. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And when our, when our minds are on the things above, we'll see differently. I like the, the account in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha and his servant are surrounded by the Arameans. And um, Elisha's servant is afraid. And Elisha says, do not, be, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And it, it reminds us that, that our, what we see with our eyes is often just the facade. And there's an unseen reality that lies behind. And to have, a, to have a mind set on God's interest doesn't mean that we'll always see everything with, with perfect discernment. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. In everything, set your mind on, on God's interests, on his plans, on his ways. Peter comes with, it, with his own agenda to, to help Jesus out. To correct Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him. If we want uh, our minds to be set on God's interests. Then, then we need to think about what's going in. What do we feed our minds upon? We're, when I'm looking after Daniel. Um, I'm not as good at consoling him as Naomi is. So when he gets a little bit agitated or uh, upset my my go-to thing is to put music on he seems to to quite enjoy music and I play songs uh, for children from a a group called Slugs and Bugs and um, they have a a few CDs that are called um, Sing the Bible and it's just words of the Bible set to music and I think it's fantastic it does it does me so much good just to fill the air with God's word and, and uh, to fill my mind with his truth. And it's amazing how many verses I've learnt um, just because it's set to music. Well, there are, there are so many things that uh, demand our attention. Some things good and, and some things that are just distractions, that are time wasters. Romans uh, 12 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is. The world will conform us into its mould if we don't spend time renewing our minds. 
And that's a real challenge for me. Well, to the, the last verse in the passage that I read, verse 27, says that the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. And that's the reality. Jesus is coming back and let's be people who live in the light of that truth. Set our minds on God's interests. And the second thing uh, that that hopefully will, will ensure that we're building blocks is to lay down control of our lives. Verse uh, 24 and, and 25 says, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And it might seem costly at times, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's, it's a paradox. It doesn't seem that the two uh, could both be true and go together. But, but the Christian life is full of these paradoxes. We conquer by yielding. We're made great by becoming small. We find rest under a yoke. We're exalted when we are humble. We become wise by being fools. We triumph through defeat and we live by dying and this is the life that Jesus calls us to if we're to be a building block in his hands then we have to die to self and be available to him in my in my youth in my teen years I really struggled with feeling inadequate and insecure and um, until a man called Will Marsden went through uh, Colossians chapter 2 with me where Paul writes, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all power and principality. And I began to learn that it's not about me. It's not about my ability or lack of ability, but about my availability to him. And it's something I'm still very much learning. But Will wrote a note to me that said, Nothing to be added. Michael Ellishaw is complete in Jesus. He can be all that Jesus wants him to be because he is complete. Jesus says, If you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Just before I, I started work, after I'd left school, somebody gave me some advice that. Uh, when you're working for somebody else that you should do the job how your boss wants it done rather than how you would do it yourself and so for example I'm a farmer I work for a farmer and sometimes sheep and cows like to jump over walls and they knock, knock the walls down and it's our job to try and build them back up again and when I'm working for, for my boss, I know that for him, speed is more important than presentation. And so I try and do it as quickly as I can so that we can get on to the next job. Because when I'm working for him, it's his agenda that's important and not mine. 
I'm just available. In truth, that's a, a poor illustration because a life laid down for Jesus is the most fulfilled life. It's not a compromised life at all. It's the best life. But you get the idea. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. I think there's, there's few uh, better examples of a life laid down than Mary. When the angel uh, visits Mary to tell her that uh, she'll be the mother of Jesus, she responds by saying, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. She simply offers her availability, her life, her rights, her entitlements, all laid down. There's no thoughts to her own reputation, no thoughts of <coughs> of the rejection that would uh, surely follow. Just offers herself to God. Paul says, "Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship." In other words, my life is his to do with it whatever he wants. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So just to, just to sort of recap, who do you say that I am? Perhaps the biggest question we'll ever answer. Was Jesus the Son of God? Did he really die in my place? Does he really give us new life? If we believe in him. And how can we be a a building block. Rather than a stumbling block. If we set our minds. On the things of God. And on his interests. And if we lay down. Our lives and be available to him. Let's just. uh, Pray a moment. Father, we uh, thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. We thank you for this uh, written revelation of who you are. I pray that we'll treat it wisely and, and really come to love it. Father, give us an appetite for your word, I pray. And may we be doers of it and not just hearers of it. In Jesus' name. Amen.